This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Hey, welcome back to Church for the Rest of Us. Jimmy Scroggins and Leslie Bennett in the offices of the Family Church Network, downtown West Palm Beach. And with us today is my friend Willie Rice from Calvary Baptist Church in Clearwater, Florida. Willie's been a friend of mine for many years and somebody that I've admired just in terms of his leadership, the way he leads his family, the way he leads a large multi-site church with a large Christian school. And he's just one of the greatest leaders in our state and somebody that I look to for advice and somebody that I look to as a model of what decades of faithful service, teaching the Bible, leading churches. And really one of the things I love about you is your desire to be a blessing to other churches. And that's what Church for the Rest of Us is all about. Leslie, you, I think you've been over there. You know yeah. something about Calvary. And so I'd just be interested in your thoughts as we get into this conversation, because we're going to talk about reopening. Yeah, well, we're really excited that you would join us, Pastor Willie. And we have these conversations all the time with our team, and we're trying to learn from people like you. And we know you're getting ready to open on Sunday. So I think our listeners understand this. We've talked about it on the podcast, Florida, and we have a different sort of kind of state. And down here in South Florida, we've had more cases of COVID-19. So we've been a little slower to reopen. And where you are, you guys are getting to reopen a little bit sooner. So we're excited about that. How are you feeling about that? Well, thanks, Leslie. You know, I often say Florida is really three states. You know, it's the Panhandle and then there's Central Florida, the I-4 corridor, which is where we're at. The Tampa Bay area, Orlando, Daytona. And then, of course, there's South Florida, which is where you guys are. And uh, South Florida obviously has been hit harder. There's a denser population and probably a lot of reasons for that. But I think the state of Florida is moving in a good pace, in a good place. I'm grateful for the leaders we have here. We haven't had a lot of conflict with our government leaders. I feel like they've been really respectful and they've tried to thread an almost impossible needle. Mm. And I appreciate that. It's hard. And it's supposed to be hard, you know, when you're protecting liberties, you're also trying to protect people. It's supposed to be hard. So we're excited. We're opening actually this weekend and a lot of churches. And I don't know when people are listening to this, but here the first weekend in June is when we're opening. And a lot of churches in central Florida through Tampa Bay, Orlando are kind of kicking off about the same time. We kind of all wanted to coordinate as much as we could. So this is a big weekend for us and we've been getting ready for it. Yeah, I'm excited about it too. And I agree with you that our government leaders in Florida have been just outstanding in the way that they've related to churches. Because the way that I perceive it from our governor all the way down to our local mayor and our county government here, even in a place that's a, we're in a solid blue county. I mean, this is controlled by Democrats. This is, all right. But even here, every single government official has basically said, look, we're not going to put rules on churches. We're just not going to do that. But we're asking you guys as good community partners, would you just worship online for now until we feel like it's safer? And I love the fact that the government hasn't clamped down on me or told me what to do. And it makes me a lot more amenable to what they ask me to do. So we just try to do every single thing they've asked us to do. We feel the same way. You know, that our governor got criticized because he wouldn't make an edict or a statement. And he was trying to, again, trying to balance. And I just, I appreciate the fact he was trying to balance it. We're in the purple band in Central Florida. (laughs) The red is up, you know, just three colors, three states. 
But I same thing from our police officers, from our local mayor who's a member of our church to all kinds of people. They really tried hard to protect religious liberties and yet at the same time ask us for our help. And I agree with you. I want to help when you have that kind of an attitude. Yeah, it's a great partnership. Now, Willie, you guys are opening this Sunday. I'd love for you just to talk a little bit about what you anticipate it's going to be like. What kind of precautions are you taking and what are you thinking through as you reopen? I anticipate weird. That's what I I don't. (laughs) Well, we are in Florida, right? So (laughs) yeah, that's another kind of weird, not normal. And that's what we've said to our people. This is not back. This is not normal. It is a kind of interim. It's a summer season for us here. And again, everyone's context is different. I kind of think when school starts in the fall, if it starts on time and that kind of signals a return to some semblance of normalcy. And so we're kind of charting a course between now and then. And between now and then, it won't feel quite the same, but it's progress. So I think it'll feel a lot emptier than normal across the board. We've heard that anywhere around, I've heard anywhere from 30 to 50% of the people are coming back right out of the gate. Some churches a little above 50%. Well, that's, that's not normal. That's going to feel different. We added services at Calvary. In fact, our first one's actually on Thursday night tonight. And we added some, which will only make it feel more empty. But that was kind of the point. We wanted to create plenty of room. Well, here's the way we look at it. And a lot of people have done these surveys, and you probably talked about them. But about a third of our folks, we're ready to come back today. About a third, we're, we're going to come back, but we're cautious. And about a third, are, we're not going to be back for a while. We're watching. And I told our people, we're playing for the middle group and the last group. The people that are going to come back are going to come back, Right. But it's the folks that are a little bit cautious or the folks that are waiting back to see. That's who we've got to play for. I want them all to be back eventually. So we've got to do some things that are more cautious. We've got to do some things that feel weird in order that they understand we're taking it seriously and we want to keep them safe. Man, what a great point. And I think that's a really good way to think about it, too, Willie. So as you're thinking through what you're going to do that might feel a little weird to keep people safe, There's a lot of guidelines out there. Churches are doing, they're all over the map. What are you going to do at Calvary? Because whatever you do, that's what everyone should do, I think. (laughs) Well, I don't know about that. Uh, We may have too many services. (laughs) Yeah, we may have too many services. We have three campuses. So we're doing this Saturday night on every campus, which we don't usually do a Saturday night, and then the two on Sunday. So we've added services on purpose knowing that's going to be way more space than we need. But I wanted people to come and if they want to be very strict about social distancing, they can practice that. And we're encouraging that. So don't get in everybody's face. You want to sit and there'll be four chairs between you and the next person. That feels weird. That isn't how we normally do church, but it's a step back in the right direction. So we're creating lots of space, even the way we do music. I've told our worship team, because you know how good worship leaders are. They're kind of, hey, everybody sing, get up. Why aren't you singing? You know, you know, they do all that. <laughs> and, and that's good because they bring energy. You need energy sometimes. Well, I just told them, we may not have a lot of energy in this one. The energy is we just got people in the room. So if they want to sing, sing. But if they don't want to sing, don't fuss at them. Right. And maybe we do a few more songs where I'm just singing for you than we would normally do. Right. Just little things like that, where you understand why some people are being cautious. And we're doing things like everybody's doing, you know, we're not going to take an offering. There's going to be a receptacle at the door. So we're not passing plates. We're not handing out worship guides, things that everybody probably is talking about, where you just minimize touching opportunities. We took off what somebody I think I heard said, we're going to have a no touch service, which means we're trying to say to people, you can come. You won't have to open a door. 
because there's going to be people at the door. They're either going to be open or people open it for you. You can literally get in the service, out of the service without touching stuff, sit down, cleaning before, cleaning after, just kind of making sure those people feel like, hey, they've created a safe environment for us. All right. So let's talk about a few things that are kind of hot button topics when we talk about regathering. Are you doing anything with pre-screening volunteer staff or attenders? In terms of uh, pre-screening. Temperature checks, questionnaires, anything like that. Uh, We are not. We didn't get into the temperature checks, although we bought a lot of those thermometers so we could do that. Yeah, two months ago when you thought that was going to be important. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, somebody knows. So we have some, and we just felt like it was good to have it. But we just didn't want to get into that kind of mandatory screening. We're not medical personnel, and we didn't feel like this was the time to start playing like it. We have obviously told people, do not come if you have any symptoms, if you feel ill, please do not feel any Baptist guilt about coming to church. You know, it's okay (laughs) to stay back, but we have that. We're not doing preschool. We're not doing children out of the gate. We're asking all of our guests to wear masks. That's become a big hot button issue. I mean, did you ever think people would be so mad about? No, you're in the mask. On both sides. Yeah. (laughs) I've told our greeters and not every church doing this. So I'm not saying this the right way, but we just told the people who are welcoming, holding doors, you're wearing masks. You know, whether you do it home or not, that's your business. But you are because, again, I want you to play for the person who's a little fearful. It may be fearful. I don't mean that in a disparaging way. They have reason to be cautious. Sure. They have reason to be cautious. So it's about you. Please don't send me any more links from the news. Please don't. You know, I've heard. Have you you gotten links links from people who think you're too conservative? (laughs) I know. You're too whatever. Have you heard those? Yeah. I'll start forwarding mine to you. And I appreciate them. Honestly, I do. But, you know, after you've read 572, you're kind of tired. So we've asked our guests, our volunteers, just to wear masks. Obviously, our people, that's an optional thing. I didn't want to require more than our government is requiring. Wear a mask if you want to. Don't have to if you don't want to. But everyone can practice social distancing. All right. And you are doing singing. So have you considered like, yeah. cause, you know, like a lot of the latest data is like, hey, singing is a killing machine. So, you yeah, know, that was in one call was worse than sneezing. Right. Was, right. Like you would have thought sneezing maybe in singing, you know, singing again. What we've this what we've done, we we're doing a little less rather than a little more. We're not doing quite as much congregational. As you heard me say, we've kind of coached up our worship leaders how to approach it. But I just feel like singing is such an integral part of worship. Right that we didn't want to not do it. Right. And so we are going to sing, but again, everyone can be spaced out. People can wear masks if they want to. And therefore, if they want to sing, we'll just maybe it'll be a little more muted than normal. Now, are you actually seating people or are you letting them just figure that out on their own? We are doing the every other row. Clearwater campus has fixed seating. So what we've done is just color code each row. And so one service are sitting in one row, another service, another row, and then we can clean it. So it's every other row that creates spacing front and back. And then we're just kind of telling them, hey, if you're practicing strict social distancing, it's three chair links. You know, we have signs saying three chairs for us between you and another person. Obviously, families and friends are going to sit together. And some people just want to be together. So we're not trying to sit them, but we have created in the rows exactly where they are to sit. So we have done that. In our other campuses, we've set up the seating in such a way that it's distance. Right. All right. So as you're thinking through those kinds of things, Talk to me about kids because you don't have kids for now. Is there some plan to have kids or is there something you're waiting for? What information is going to trigger you to have kids? That's a great question because I'm not sure exactly what piece of information. It's just the next layer. 
And we've talked to our preschool team. There are a lot of layers, as you know, to having preschool care. It isn't just, can we do it? It's volunteers. It's the way people feel. It's a lot of things. So we just felt like for the first out of the gate here in June, this next phase, I'm through with numbered phases, by the way. I have a new theory. I believe in phase one, there's no such thing as other phase. Because who has ever said, we're in phase six. No one ever says that. They're just, (laughs) it's phase one and then whatever comes next. You're going to make it up as you go. Others may disagree with that. But anyway, in the next phases, we're going to add preschool back and children back. I think what we're looking for there is just let's get back to coming to church And let's make progress as a culture where people are feeling more and more and more comfortable. And hopefully two, three, four weeks into this, then we're adding the preschool back with certain requirements. Maybe it'll be at a certain service. We'll keep numbers. Maybe you have to make reservations. Our preschool team is working on the exact plan. I think it's maybe by July. It's a couple of weeks down the road, but we'll add that back in children's ministry. Our goal is by the time school starts, all that's added back in. Yeah, let's talk about school because this is really helpful because, you know, one of the real barometers for our culture and the people who are going to set the best practices for all of this in our culture are the schools because the schools are going to train families what is and what is not acceptable in terms of how to treat kids. You actually operate a large and important Christian school. What do you guys think in school-wise? Are you reopening? Are you having kids in person? Are you not deciding yet where are you at we pretty much i mean we have a plan obviously everything is subject to change we of all course, know that. of there course there could be information in two weeks that changes everything of course but we're planning to reopen in august and so right now that's what we're saying to our parents and our you know all, all our students is that we're planning to reopen in august i don't think the public school system has said that yet definitively in florida but i think they're moving in that direction they're sending some signals with for instance, high school athletics practices coming back in the summer and everyone getting dates when they can get back in the weight room. And of course, we wanted to get our, our football team back in the weight room right away. That was a big priority. So we're, <laughs> That's what uh, I was going to ask you next. Is the football team back? That's what we yeah, want to yeah, know. They started, they were back lifting, you know. There you, you go. You got to put first things first. So Absolutely. Um, we're planning to be back in August, bottom line. And unless something dramatic changes, And obviously, if we try to mirror, we watch the public school system, if they came back and made some big statement, then we would reconsider. But we feel like we have to be planning in that direction. We're really hopeful right now. What I'm hearing is, I think you'll see schools back in August, but that's a guess. So when you say you're coming back, you're coming back based on the old normal, just everybody back, because we've heard several things about our school district and some of the things that they're thinking about doing, and even the Christian schools in our area They're thinking about changing the way they approach it. I think there will be some changes. I don't know all those changes. I know our leadership is looking at that. Listen, when we talk, and I think it's a great point you just made, when we talk about normal, it's not normal. There's an old normal that will never come back, maybe ever. And honestly, some of that may be helpful. It certainly isn't going to be that way for the foreseeable future. This whole thing is going to change the way we think about some things. You're right. I think even if they come back in person, I've heard the list, but it's things like how they do the lockers. It's how they do the lunch, how they do a lot of things mm-hmm. like that. I absolutely certain we're going to have new policies in place on all that. All right, Willie. So we have a lot of listeners who are in a smaller churches, medium-sized churches. And one of the best things about you, in my mind, is the way that you care for churches and pastors really all over our state and around the country. And so what would you speak into their lives? Is there a thing, you know, because they, they might be saying, you know, Willie, we don't have the money to buy a bunch of sprayers. And, you know, I'm not having lunch with the mayor and the governor and calling me to ask my advice. So like, how do I reopen my little church and what should I be thinking about? 
I think it's just you're listening to your people and you're trying to figure out how do they feel. Don't listen to the news. Don't listen, you know, Fox, MSNBC, and that's where I get my opinions from. Listen to your people. How do they feel? And take a measurement of your leaders in your congregation, whether it's a survey or you're just talking to a number of them. So you get a sense of my people are ready, my people are cautious, et cetera. It is talking to local officials. Local officials will talk to you. You know, you may not get the governor on the line, but unless you live in a major city, most of the time you can get the mayor or you can talk to the associate mayor or somebody. And I think another thing is to collaborate with other pastors. One of the great things we've done in Florida, Jimmy, you and I have been on some of these calls together, is you're talking with other pastors. There really is strength in numbers here. I mean, there's a time to stand alone and then there's a time you don't want to be out there alone. And so when you are doing something and sharing, that's one of the best things in this whole season to me is I've spent a lot of time hearing from other pastors about what they're doing, just conversations like this. But the strength of doing it in your city, in your town, what are you doing? What are you doing? When are you going back? You share. And I think there's strength in numbers. So those are the things I would say to a pastor of any size church. Listen to your people. Pay attention to what they're saying. Talk to other pastors. And find some officials. There are officials who will talk to you. Right. Find them. Talk to them and say, hey, here's what we're doing. Don't surprise them. Again, I know there have been stories on the news, but the overwhelming number of public officials are just trying to help. Mm-hmm. And yeah. pick up the phone and call them. Email them. They'll talk to you and say, here's what we want to do. And I think when you use those as metrics with your people, other churches, local officials, you'll get a pretty good sense of what to do. I think that's such wise advice because I do think all of this is a lot uh, locally oriented. So the number of COVID cases in your neighborhood, your community matter, how your community is responding. Are people going to restaurants? What are they doing when they get there? Is the mall open? Are people going to the beach like down here or where you are, Willie? There's just a lot of things you can look at. And I think that's so wise to treat this as a local issue because it's kind of like you're in this issue, your local culture is going to define what people are going to be willing to do where you are. It's going to be different from where I am. And Willie is, and so I just think that's such wise, wise advice. Hey, before we end this call, I want to pivot quickly. We've had so many uh, horrible things happen in our country in regard to race. I mean, we have these repeated cell phone videos of black people being abused by police or by vigilantes. We've had all these things. And this is a pattern that's really been going on for hundreds of years And it really seems to be right this moment, getting a lot of attention and a lot of passion all over the country. And Willie, you have a multicultural church there, as do we at Family Church. And I think last night you did something where you tried to move the conversation forward in your church and in your neighborhood. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about what you're doing? We had a panel. It was a number of our deacons, and I particularly, again, chose deacons who are men of color, several who are identified as black. And our chairman of deacons is kind of, he tells me, he says, I check the other box whenever you know they have the boxes. Right. It's like Irish Bahamian. There's no box right, for right. Irish Bahamian, but he's a wonderful man of color and great leader. He was there, our chairman of deacons. And I told him how providential that you're leading in that way in this season. And then some local black pastors who I, I have great relationships with and have great respect for. And so we had a group and just had a conversation. Every situation, every context, every church is different, obviously. I know a lot of churches aren't multicultural. A lot of smaller churches or rural churches, your city may not be multicultural. That's part of the problem in America is we talk about multiculturalism, and yet South Florida is really unique in that area, even more so than Clearwater. But most areas in America aren't multicultural. It's still where people live. They live very segregated lives. That's part of the problem. We don't have enough friendships across the racial 
boundaries in America. And I would say to any church, I mean, you might be out there in the woods somewhere. You might be an all white church, an all black church. We need to have conversations where we're listening to one another. And that cable news television doesn't count. That's not listening to one another. That's three hours of editorials every night. That's not helpful, really. Build relationships. And you know what? Just have a panel conversation. If you have a good friend that you trust, that's you're a white pastor, you have a black pastor you trust, bring him in for a night and you and him sit there and have conversations. Do it online or do it when people can come back. But I think just, and Jimmy, when we have those conversations, what I've tried to realize, and I've got to learn this, is my brothers may say things that kind of get me a little uncomfortable. They may say things that, you know, I don't like the way you said that. I don't like that way. I don't like that title. But part of fellowship is that I need to listen. I need to learn. And even if I would say it different, even if I want to push back on something, the first thing and the thing we're not doing very good is listen to one another first. Let me understand where you're coming from. If I understand what you mean with that, let's say, term, Maybe I don't agree with everything in the term, but now that I understand you, I can understand what you're saying. And then I can say, well, I agree with this, but not that. I just think when you have a relationships of trust and respect, especially Christian unity, that's the place to have the conversations. Unfortunately, what we've seen modeled in our culture is a lack of trust, a lack of respect, and hyper division right now. And that's why these conversations are very, very hard. Yeah, I think that really the only thing that can actually change a sinful heart and racism is sinful is Jesus. It's the gospel of Jesus. And so being able to find common ground, at least can we find common ground in the gospel of Jesus? And then can we build from there? And then people with changed hearts can work together to change a lot of things. And uh, that's so vital. And I think your posture of listening, especially you know, as a influential white guy like you, Willie, a pastor of a big church, it really matters in that city for you to take the posture of a learner and say, hey, I'm going to learn about this is so powerful. I think all of us should follow your example in that regard. And I think that really models kind of what Jesus modeled in terms of humility and caring for others. And I think what he taught his disciples to do. So, Willie, thank you for being such a good friend, such a good pastor, such a good brother. And I love so much everything that you do with Calvary, the way that you talk about Jesus, the way that you talk about your church and your family. You mean a whole, whole lot to me. So everybody, all of our church, for the rest of us listeners, I commend Willie Rice, Calvary Baptist Church, Clearwater to you. Check them out on their website. Watch what they're doing. They're worthy to learn from. And from Leslie Bennett, Jimmy Scroggins, Willie Rice, we're signing off. This has been Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.